Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Grace and peace to you this morning from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read to you from Jesus' calling today as a means of blessing, and uh, you just receive it from the Holy Spirit, and uh, it ties in with the message and and, uh, what I believe the Lord would have for us today. Uh, Before I read it, I would like to say a prayer over it and over... uh, over today's uh, message. I know in summer, uh, church attendance can be hit and miss, and you wonder who's going to be here and who isn't, and that probably affects me more than it does you. Um, But I'm I'm always wondering, because I try and pray through the week in advance for Sunday, that the Lord would have a word, uh, done this my whole life in ministry, that it would specifically be designed to touch someone who needs it desperately, and I've always prayed even if there's one. Uh, We're all a product of prayer, by the way. And uh, my my sister, who who came to faith when she was uh, early in her adult years and came to faith, meaning she got saved, uh, but she found faith in Jesus, and she'd been an alcoholic and everything, and her uh, husband was a backslidden Nazarene, which is really bad if you're Nazarene. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I'm just using that to describe. But uh, after she got saved, I remember the family had a meeting and decided that she had gotten religion and she was a holy roller. Now, all the Nazarenes would have been rolling on the ground if they'd known they were called holy rollers uh, because they didn't do that. And so some of you have that background and you understand more what I'm saying than anything else. So if you don't, it's just me teasing a couple people. I find out years later um, in our in our family and how God began to work in our family uh, on her deathbed, she actually had a long conversation with me about how she prayed for years. And she said, I prayed for my three brothers. She said almost daily that they would get saved and that their lives would change. She said, I prayed and prayed and prayed for years with no fruit, never seeing. And I wondered if God would actually hear my prayer and reach out and save them. And she said, and then after years and years and years, she said, she said the worst one of the bunch of them got saved. That was me. What a compliment on a deathbed, huh? But you know what? The Lord did the same thing with me. And uh, one of my first spiritual encounters or experiences I had with God before I knew you could have those was I walked in through the doors of a charismatic church once we started going to church. And I walked in the doors and the whole room went away. And I didn't, ha- I didn't understand things because I wasn't raised a Christian and definitely not a, a spirit-filled Christian. But I saw my two brothers with their, I saw a huge white-blue light in front of me and I could see the silhouette of my two brothers with their hands lifted up. And I knew that they were praising God even though I was so young in faith and didn't understand those things. 
But I hung on to that for years, and so I took up her mantle, and I prayed for those two brothers. You know, each one of them came to a saving knowledge of Jesus, and uh, the one brother is still alive, and we're very close today. Um, but I just say that so that your faith can be encouraged this morning. If you have a loved one that you wonder about, do they know God or do they know Jesus? Or they said they knew Jesus and now they walked away. Listen, Jesus doesn't walk around and walk away from anybody who at once reached out for him. Not even those who in bitterness say, I don't believe it. I should have never said that. He doesn't quit. God doesn't stop. God doesn't give up on us. And God hears our prayers. The quiet prayer of a sister who wants to see her brothers change or the loud prayers of a little brother who demands that God rescue the other two. Um, it, all those prayers. I think God doesn't stop hearing us. He loves us so much. And it's good to do with this song through it all. Yes, through all of life. You can trust God. He'll come through for you. He did for me. If he did for me, he will for you. So anyway, if you hear my story, you will hear a song of grace. Jesus Calling says this morning, stay calmly conscious of me today, no matter what. Remember that I go before you as well as with you into the day. Nothing takes me by surprise. I will not allow circumstances to overwhelm you so long as you look to me. I will help you cope with whatever the moment presents. Collaborating with me brings blessings that far outweigh all of your troubles. Awareness of my presence contains joy that can endure all eventualities. Can endure all eventualities. Lord, we pray for loved ones right now who seem far away. We pray for those who we don't understand how they're living and don't understand their journey and what happened along the way. But we hold their names before you. O oh, great God of salvation, you who so loved the world that you came into this earth to lay your life down for those who didn't want you. Lord, none of us wanted you and you rescued None of us went after you. You came after us. Go after our loved ones, just like you did us. Hound them. Loose the hounds of heaven on them, God. And don't let them wander very far. And our hearts will rejoice and say thank you all the days of our life. Amen? Good morning. Say it better than that. Good morning. Thank you. I needed that. So often, life goes in directions we never expected. Now just take, do you remember ever thinking, why did I go down that path? Why did I choose that door? What on earth was I thinking? Or things just happened totally outside of you, things you never expected. And here's what throws us, is each of us is wired uniquely and differently, and some of us are constant people. Do you know what I mean by constant people? We like things to remain the same. That's where the chair always sets. We don't move that chair. 
So that's just the way the house is, and it's, and it's uh, ordered that way. We don't necessarily like to see things remain in a standstill, but consistency makes our hearts feel warm and feel safe and secure. And others are what's called new and different junkies. Maybe that's you. Uh, you like change. You like spontaneity. You uh, makes you feel energized and valued, and you like something new. And you love to spend somebody else's money to get new stuff. No matter what we are, uh, it's it's really has to do with our uniqueness, doesn't it? We're all wired different ways. Giftings, callings. We're all meant to do different things. And here's in the midst, no matter how you're wired, God wants you to find contentment in the midst of spontaneity or in the midst of sameness. God really wants you to find contentment. It's a real key uh, of how to walk in God the best. The problem with it is this. Often those seasons where uh, we don't feel content... Uh, can last for a long period. And usually when those happen, it feels like our life is in a ditch. Do you know what I mean by being in a ditch? Uh, you know what a ditch is? It's the side of the road that never gets taken care of. And sometimes life feels that way. Sometimes it feels like if it's for a long period of time, and it certainly can test our hearts, our trust in God, our relationships, uh, you ever felt like your life was in a ditch? No, only three of you. My goodness, I have no sense in me talking this morning. Did you ever feel like it? Oh my gosh. I think I've spent about secretly. Now, I didn't want to tell others because I was really good at wearing masks because I'm in ministry. But secretly, about a fourth of the time, I was in the ditch. And... Uh, and I used all the wonderful language, like I'm in a wilderness time and God just seems far away. And what it really was, was I was insecure about something and not dealing with it well and was really upset at at least eight or nine people. Or myself. Mostly myself. I was really good at blaming myself. I found uh, I could point the finger at me really well and, and take myself through that. Times of want seems to, to pull that thing really tight, doesn't it? It stretches us when there's times of the insecurity over if we're going to have enough, do I have enough, and that contentment thing really turns on us and, and everything. And I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that you probably know well, but we only usually apply it regarding money, and it's more than about money. But listen to what what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, and I'm not going to do the context of it, so. Now, godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Great gain. The word great gain doesn't mean that you're accessing more. It means you're moving forward. It's not a standstill. It's great gain. That means it's, it's continually ongoing in your life. He said, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we should be content. 
But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Now this is where we always put the thing on money. And into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So I've been mad about inflation. I just bought four boards that are 12 feet long and it cost me $66. Four one by eights, 12 foot long, $66. It, all, it just makes you grumpy, doesn't it? it just, you go to the store and you buy a bag of groceries at Walmart and it's $48. You're going, what? I got bread and milk and, and somebody's got to be to blame for this, so I'm going to be mad. Well, I had that kind of prayer walk and not just for myself, for other people and everything this past week. And so I do, I do try to do a daily exercise to keep up my handsome physique. Um, and my health and so I try to walk uh, at least four days a week I usually make it four days a week and I do a time period and I do la I have a long driveway so I do laps and then when I get to the end of the driveway I have to turn and when I look down the driveway I see this long ditch because I live on a little bit of a hill and uh, this past week during my prayer walk and looking at a ditch I was stunned because it was beautiful I was complaining to God about money and how much my retirement account that was so important to me lost in, in the past two years. And, uh, and I'm not happy about it, but I was kind of making my complaint known to God. Do you ever do that? Yeah. yeah, so was I. I was even making it on your behalf, thinking all the poor families that we have with us. Uh, we really don't. We're all prosperous. <laughs> abundance it was so beautiful so I took a picture of it yeah that's my ditch doesn't look like my neighbor's ditch he puts out weed killer so he doesn't have to mow it now that's his choice and his in life but instead I let those daylilies come up and planted more flowers and grasses and stuff why would you do that for a ditch because it's such a reflection of God and I was stunned. I looked at the ditch and I went, you know, and this picture doesn't, I'm not a good photographer. I'm not a very artistic. So I just took a picture with my phone. And I wish you could see because they stretch all the way down, even around that tree. And I didn't focus it well enough. But I caught it. And there's a couple of different colored ones. We'll look at the yellow ones in a little bit. I just went, oh God. Oh God. And he started speaking to me. It's the Holy Spirit speaking into my heart where Jesus said to his disciples, consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil for anything. They don't do anything but grow. And he says, I tell you, this is Jesus looking at lilies going, I tell you, Solomon, 
in all his finery. And Solomon is a great hero of the Jews. Not David, Solomon, because he was the one who built the temple and established their way of life in God. And he was so prosperous. So he was this hero that they always looked to as the highest attainment of success. He said, I tell you, Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like these. I just went, oh God, I'm looking at all this wrong. Not a big repentance time, not falling in the ditch, but just looking at the ditch and thinking through the manner in which God wants us to live. Now, I'm not saying you should beautify your ditch, but just understand every one of us gets life in a ditch at times. Do you know this story about one of David's mighty men? I don't have it in the scriptures. This is just coming to mind as I'm speaking. I think his name was Benaniah or something like that. So there was three that stood above the 30. So David had 30 officers that were over his small army. And they were called David's mighty men because they stuck with it through him and they did great deeds. And then there was three above that. And then uh, one of them, I think his name is Benaniah. I could be getting that wrong. It's Ben-a-something. Benadryl, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, it tells this really weird story. You know why he was considered a hero? So just offhanded, here's the word of God. What does it mean? He said, well, on a certain day, he was in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. That's how he became a mighty man. He conquered a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Can you imagine, you know, first of all, if you're thrown in a pit or fall in a pit... Yeah, how big was the pit? I don't know, a pit's a pit. And you're falling in a pit or a ditch, and there's a lion who wants to take you out. Sounds like life today, doesn't it? And it starts snowing. So what does that mean? It's wet and slippery and cold. Every circumstance is against you. But he became a mighty man of David because he had the story. He beat that lion. He conquered that lion. Those are what the ditches in our life are designed to do, is to turn us into mighty people while we're in a ditch. So here's the passage of Scripture that all of this was, the Lord started speaking to me. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Who feeds them? God. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you so anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, 
O you of little faith. And do not seek for what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. What he's, what he's saying is, is, don't spend all your time looking for when the next meal is going to come. Don't worry about what's happening around you. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. And your Father knows that you need these things. Where you're at this morning, your Father knows what things you need. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. How do you find an invisible kingdom? Well, look at that. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which don't grow old and a treasure in the heavens that doesn't fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I started treasuring my ditch and the beauty that was there. It serves a great purpose. It stops my yard from flooding. It doesn't always look that pretty, but it can. And uh, I just went through this scripture over and over again. I said, this isn't me. I'm not a worrier. And I'm really content in God. I have it so good. I have a wife. She's getting a little older. She'll be <clears throat> a little bit older this week. Happy birthday, Brenda. So glad to have life with you. But I have a wife that loves God, loves other people. Wanna, Brenda's, Brenda's unique because she's such a truth talker. Now, by the way, not everybody likes that. <laughs> Especially when it's unvarnished because Brenda can give you with no slack on it at all. It's just straight truth. But you see, I never had to worry. I didn't like games players. That's why God brought her into my life. I didn't like to read between the lines and figure it out. If you like something, just tell me. If you don't like it, just tell me. And she did. And I've been grateful for that because I didn't have to guess or try to figure out what should I do to make her happy. All I had to do was talk to her. She would let me know what made her happy. Now, some of it isn't always mysterious that way. I don't bring her mysterious gifts out of nowhere because she might go, ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> but you know what? She would be forever grateful that I would think of her and want to do that. And she's the most loyal person I've ever been around in my life. And man, if she's your friend, she is one fierce, loyal person over your heart and over your life. When you look at these passages of scriptures, there's some real big takeaways in here. The first one is this. God understands your needs. He says, I, your father knows what you have need of. When life feels like a ditch and you feel like you've been thrown in a ditch, you tend to forget that God's the orchestra leader of life. 
He's, he's really, uh, a lot of times we say God's in control. God's not in control. God's in charge. God doesn't even control you. He will let you do wrong things, hasn't he? He doesn't control us, but he's in charge of us. And so I see it as this orchestra leader that, that's causing the symphony of life to happen. So the circumstances of life happen, but I can't dictate what's going to happen in those circumstances. God's the orchestra leader. So it's not a blind acceptance that I go, well, it's God, I guess, going to be miserable now for a while. But it is designed for us to know that if he understands my needs, then I can have a trust in God that he's in charge of my life and he knows my needs. Psalm 37 verse 23 says this, the steps of a good man, or some translations say righteous, and I'll say person here, the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord and he delights in their way. Wow. He delights in what's going on. And he doesn't see it. I don't think he sees our circumstances quite the way we see them as bad or good. He sees them as circumstances. And he sees himself as good and delights in you in the midst of bad circumstances. Isn't that amazing? When you just think through the God logic of it. So God understands your needs. He hasn't quit ordering your steps. God also doesn't want you to live in worry. If you look at this passage from Luke, he said, don't be anxious. Worry is quite simply trusting in your own understanding. That's what worry is. It's looking at circumstances and saying, this has to change now or I'm in deep water. Anxious Living doesn't bloom well. It's not the lilies of the field that are just blooming, no matter where they're planted. This is where this Proverbs, this is a Proverbs for all of life. This one, if you haven't ever memorized, you need to memorize it because it is one of those. This is one of our trump cards in the faith. And will always bear with you well in every circumstance, even life in the ditch. And you can have life in the ditch with God when you understand this. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And say with me, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It's just this hallmark scripture. It's one of the first ones I memorized. And it's just like, ooh, that's, that's, my, that's money. <laughs> that's, my, that's my pocket change. That's my what I put right there. <sighs> A good takeaway. God doesn't want you to live in anxiety. He wants you to live in trust. So that's why he doesn't make every circumstance in our life be wonderful. He's wonderful in every circumstance. And the next thing you can see from this passage, it is God's will. It is actually his good pleasure. One version says it is his delight to give you the kingdom. And we go, oh yeah, I'm going to live 
eternally. I'm going to live forever. I'll have everlasting life, and I'll be in the kingdom of heaven. And most of us think of the kingdom of God as a different realm and a different place. But actually, it's here. And when the Lord is talking about the kingdom of God, he's talking about where he has rule and authority. And he says this, it's his good pleasure, it's his delight to give you authority to live in a ditch. God delights to do good for you. When he speaks of his kingdom, he's not speaking of heaven, he's speaking of his reign and his authority. It's his good delight to give you authority in every circumstance of life. What kind of authority? Not to control others and not to control circumstances, to control me. When my heart starts fearing, I can take up authority. I can start speaking scripture to it. Fear not. Fear not, says the Lord. Man, he did that one with me. He gave me a whole dream about it, about Isaiah 43, 5. And I mean, it was an epic all-night dream, and it changed my life. I'm standing here today because the Lord started with, Fear not, says the Lord, for I am with you. In every life change, I wouldn't be here if my heart had not depended on that scripture. It meant that I had to take big chances and big risks and do things a different way and go down a different road and a different path than everybody else that I thought was my friend doing it and they all got mad at me when I didn't do it their way. I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have the joy of hearing me. (laughs) Haven't we grown in a ditch together? For many of you... That answer is yes. Listen, the biggest thing about grace is it allows you to reign in this life. Listen to this passage of authority that you have with the kingdom. Romans 5.21, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the kingdom. See, the kingdom, uh, he says later in Romans, in Romans 14, he says, the kingdom of God isn't in eating and drinking. It's not in stuff. It's in righteousness, peace, and joy. That's how Paul described it. I will tell you this. A cheese and bologna sandwich eaten in peace is way more than the best fancy French dinner and fine wine that's eaten in strife. The simplicity of knowing that I have, I have authority in righteousness, peace, and joy. I don't like living in a ditch. I don't want that to be my whole life. I don't want it to be your whole life. And I guarantee you it won't be if you're in Christ. Because he doesn't leave us in the ditch of life. But even when I'm in the ditch, my heart can be content. 
This is not a forever place. This is not a forever place. The kingdom of God proves that. It proves to me that I can have authority how I respond to the things in life. And uh, sometimes other people will indeed throw us in a ditch. I've, if you've ever had that and felt abandoned. Matter of fact, it was even a car that was going by real fast when they threw you out. And you're like that can that I find, you know, the crinkled up one that says the energy drink or the Budweiser or the Bud Light. And you're going, oh, you know, and it feels terrible. God's not going to make you live there your whole life. He just doesn't do that. Why? Because you're in the kingdom now. You have authority and rule now. So here's what's really important is the next part. Where you put your treasure is where your heart will be. My heart doesn't necessarily love the ditch, but my heart loves God and I can bloom in the ditch because my treasure is who I am in him and who he is in me. Wherever your thoughts dwell, that's where you have the, the connect it with the, what I just said about authority. Wherever your thoughts dwell, that's where your emotions will abound. So Romans 8 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the Spirit. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells with you. What does that have to do with the ditch? I can bloom. I set my mind on heavenly things. And I can bloom. I find life sustaining no matter where he takes me, where he puts me, how he puts me there, who he puts me beside. Now in my ditch, there, there's, there's lots of those flowers. There's some nice ornamental grasses. and I'm always a little afraid that the reapers of this world, the county, are going to come by and spray them and kill them or chop them down. But so far through the years, even those guys could see the beauty and went, and they lift the mower and go past my place. The Spirit of God dwells in me. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Even in a ditch on a snowy day and there's a lion in the ditch. You can still bloom in Christ. Well, blooming is like fruit on a flower. It, you know, it comes up and it, it does that thing. And even this, I will tell you this, you're not responsible for blooming. You're not. The fruit of the Spirit is at work in you. You've probably been given lessons about <clears throat> growing fruit in the spirit and how to grow it it's your your job to focus on blooming or bearing fruit it is the work of the holy spirit not you you don't have to make up fruit when you're impatient in the ditch 
You don't have to, I'm going to be patient here. I'm going to make myself bloom. Well, you're going to be one ugly rose. And it'll be withered and look funny. Your job is to nurture yourself in God and abide in him. John 15, 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. What does it mean to abide? Spend time with the Lord. Even in the ditch. Just focus your attention on the Holy Spirit. Not on what you've lost or gained. Not on what you could maybe do if you get this part done. And then this will get me there. And then I'll do this. And then I'll do. Pretty soon you got yourself all worked up in anxiety. All in a knot. And when life feels like a knot, it's just no fun. Just no fun at all. Later in John 15, down in verse 9, he, he says this wonderful thing. He says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. So I finished my walk, and that's what I started doing. I asked him this thing, how he loves today because of it, because that was the song that came into my heart. That was my bologna sandwich. That was my story. That was my song. You love me. You love me. I don't know who among you is facing a ditch or living in a ditch, and some of you are blooming, but I know this God made each of us unique and special. And he knows when you're in the ditch. And he's going to cause blooms to come out of you that really shine. Out of all those flowers in the ditch, do you remember all the, all the orange ones? Did you see that one little patch of yellow that stood out? This is me because he delights in me. All the other ones were orange. I'm yellow. It's okay for you to be yellow too. Brightly shining with God's glory. I thought of Solomon and the gold, the ornate stuff that would be on his robe. The dishes that he ate out of and how they weren't made of wood, but precious metal. I went, oh. I thought about Coldplay. They did a song called Yellow. I don't know if you ever listened to Coldplay. Um, a lot of times they reminded me of Brenda. Uh, it was a song about his mom who was going through cancer. And he was writing the song about her. And he just started, and the reason it's called Yellow is he talks about yellow blooms. He talks about the stars shining, and they shine for you. And yellow was his mom's favorite color. And so the refrain in the song is, and they were all yellow. That's me. That's you. I don't like yellow. Okay, then pick your favorite color. 
you can be hot fuchsia pink. I don't. I, I, but this, in the midst of a ditch, on a snowy day with a lion, I'll still bloom because God's with me. He hasn't abandoned you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. You can bloom right there. He wants you to bloom, but you can't make the blooms happen. All you can do is interact and abide in His love. Sing a song to yourself. Oh, please, God, sing a song to yourself. Music is as much for you as it is for God. Sing about how He loves you. I couldn't get away from that song. One of the best walks I've had in a long time. And then this is what he really likes, going for a long walk in the same direction. Some could see my driveway as boring. It's a circle, goes around my garage, goes out to the street and comes back again. And I could pay to go to the gym or I could even get it free because I'm old now and get, get Medicare. I like walking on my own driveway and seeing my own ditch because it blooms and it reminds me of God. Now, I've committed to pray for each of you and no matter what ditch you're in, you pray for me no matter what ditch I'm in. Can I pray for you now? Jesus, sometimes we don't even recognize we're in the ditch. We don't even know it was the ditch that we dug. But we do know this. When you call us back to yourself to abide in you, our lives become rich and full and energized. Trust begins to develop again. I start blooming the way I was meant to bloom. Your desire is for me to be me. My act of humility is to be the exact representation of who you want me to be. You planted an eternal seed in me that went into my being and bears fruit. I was designed to bloom. I can't make myself do it, but I can receive the nurture from you the love from you, the watch care from you, the understanding that's from you that will change my heart and my emotions so I can have kingdom godly authority in all circumstances. So this morning for all of us, I take that great flag from Proverbs 3 and plant it in the midst of our ditch again. And as a people, we will trust in you with all our heart. We won't lean on our own understanding in difficult times. In all our ways, we're going to acknowledge you because you will direct us. You will take care of us. You will watch care over us. And this, this is a desire for my soul and my life. May we bloom for you. In Jesus' name.